Welcome to the Get Creative Podcast. My name is Taylor Jackson. I'm the artist behind Canvas and Kind. I am a homeschooling mother of four and I paint during nap time. So today I am so excited to be talking with Jane Boutwell of Jane Boutwell Studios about the artist mind and some of the challenges that we face. Um, some of the shame that sometimes comes with being a creative and just maybe not being like other people. And I'm so excited to get into this topic. Jane is a wealth of knowledge. She is so fabulous. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. So let's get to it. Hello, I am so excited to have this conversation with you, Jane. I, I'm just, I love your work. I love everything about uh, what you do. So go ahead and tell everyone who you are and what you do. Hi, Taylor. It is such a joy to spend this time with you. Um, I, yeah, I think that we both just have such a, an overflow of creativity and four kids and just kind of a, a deep knowledge that we have to create to be our healthy whole self for our families and those around us. Um, so I am a multimedia artist. I do love ceramic work and that's what I sell a lot of right now. Um, I love the way people interact with hold even, you know, taste from the ceramic work that I make and how it invites people into a ritual, a kind of experience that can teach something deep to their hearts. I also do, um, I used to quilt and I've brought some of that quilt making into my painting with mixed media pieces. And I have a podcast called growing creative. I've had a membership in the past where I taught, um, creative growth mindset kind of stuff and tutorials, but that is closed now. Um, yeah, I just kind of am all over in the creative spectrum and dabble here and there, and various things. I find that that helps keep, um, I think it helps me stay in a beginner's mindset Mm -hmm. and, um, pull new things from different places to put together in new ways. So anyway, and I'm so excited about our topic today because it is something I'm so passionate about. Yes, for sure. It's one of the reasons that I reached out to you because I just, I think that we are similarly minded. And I think Mm -hmm. that sometimes um, as an artist and uh, as a creative, you have all these thoughts and sometimes it it feels like, um, it feels like uh, the way your mind is created is kind of faulty. That's what, and I think that's what society tells us. I think that's what um, the culture tells us that artists Mm -hmm. minds are, they're just out there and, you know, need to be fixed or here's this program or here's this whatever (laughs) to get you on the right track because you're not doing it correctly. But but I just, I don't know, I, I love this topic and um, I would love to ask you, like, what, what do you think are things that help to combat that, um, that feeling of inadequacy or the feeling of faultiness or just feeling like, you know, this isn't how I'm supposed to do things or the supposed tos. How do you combat that? Do you think? So um, a lot of ways, because I think that the deeper I've gone, the more I've realized how strong those, especially really early messages we get um, 
especially if you've gone through traditional schooling. We are so, so malleable and absorbing. And I think young children are a lot more intuitive and picking up on people's intentions and feelings than we think. Mm -hmm. And it can be so damaging because teachers, let's face it, when they have a classroom full of little kids that they need to teach a lot to, to get the standardized testing, they need them all to sit still and quiet and learn in a particular way and turn around and read and write on a certain time schedule. And for a lot of us with creative minds, I mean, I think that all humans have creative minds. I'm deeply passionate about that, but I think, um, the particular, uh, type of mind we're especially talking about today is probably what we would call the non-neurotypical. So people who are learning in different ways, uh, maybe dyslexic, maybe ADHD, maybe a little bipolar, maybe highly sensitive. There's so many different terms. Um, dreamer, there's a great book called strong-willed child or dreamer that I've so identified with for my, me and my children. And, um, and those kids are just not quite as easy to work with in the midst of a mass of people because they're outside of the box thinkers. A lot of times um, people like us need to move our bodies to learn. We might not read on the same time schedule and we absorb a lot of, um, a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. And I was, I've done a lot of work with therapy and stuff like that to bring healing into these places of hurt in my heart from those early shame messages. And yet it, I'll still get teared up just thinking about, um, the deep rooted sense that something's wrong with me that I've carried. And, um, and I think, yeah, I think, I think there's a, a, a very wide process that I think is needed for us to work through that. But a big part of it is recognizing it and grieving it because if we can't, name something and grieve something, then it's hard to experience full healing of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is one aspect. The other thing I wanted to share that's really brought a lot of freedom and, um, encouragement to me, uh, a number of years ago, I picked up time magazine, you know, how they'll do special editions on topics. So they had one with this colorful brain on the front and it was the time magazine issue on creativity. I feel like and I remember was, seeing that. I remember seeing that just the image sticks out in my mind. Yes. Well, and you know, they were like more expensive. So, and I don't even read magazines. I just don't have time. I'd rather be making things, but I just stood there and I was like, I think I need this. I learned so much. I loved hearing all the latest, um, brain studies because they can put electrodes and there's so much more information they can gather about how the brain works. And there's a ton of things that I learned that were fascinating in that issue. But the thing that most um, was such a gift to me was real, the studies they did on that, um, that kind of what I call like creative magic, that moment where you're sitting there and all of a sudden pop, the idea comes that, you know, like you have been struggling with this, you know, wonder how this is going to work. And then you put it on the back burner and you're busy doing other things. And then you're just sitting there maybe dazing off and boom, the idea just pops in out of nowhere. So what they discovered is that what's happening in the brain when that kind of creative thought occurs, the prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain on the front uh, that is in charge of organization, time management, mm -hmm. um, kind of like the office staff of the brain world, it has to be quiet, like shut down 
in order for these creative magic moment thoughts to occur. And I cannot tell you how freeing and what a deep, deep blessing that was to my heart to realize that it wasn't that I was screwed up a, a broken mess that if I just worked harder to get my prefrontal cortex on time places and organized, um, then I could have it all, but I couldn't ever have it all. Mm -hmm. If my brain is clicking away and popping off these little creative magic, you know, fireworks here and there, it's happening because I'm really good at letting that prefrontal cortex <laughs> just quiet down and deactivate. I love that. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've been told like, you're so unorganized. You're so scatterbrained or you're so, and, and, you know, I say, oh, people are saying that to me, but more often than not, it's me saying that to myself saying, oh, why can't you just get your stuff together? Why can't you, you know, understand how time works? Like, why can't you know that this is not a 30 minute task? This is a three hour task. And why did you start it 30 minutes before you're supposed to start dinner? Like the, I don't know i feel like we tell ourselves those things so much and it's not necessarily that all these other people are telling us that all the time but sometimes it's truly us that is saying why aren't you more like this why can't you be more like that or you see somebody else whose home is always perfectly immaculate and i'm like i can barely barely keep the dishes done like that's like i've done the dishes today i feel i went home good. and um well i it's not my home, but it's, um, my mother has remarried and went and visited her. And in the kitchen was this sign that said a clean kitchen is the sign of a wasted life. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to have this sign because yeah, whenever people are like, how are you, how can you do it all? How do you do it? All? I'm like, you do not see my kitchen sink. No, I'm not that's one of the people who like have to have a, the dishes clean before I do things. I have no problem with it piling up. No way. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Now, my children are not all, all like that. So there's some struggle. I mean, some of yes. them are. Some of them are exactly like me, but some of them are. Why isn't we need this and we, you know, we need to yes. have this all completely ordered. And we are we're running into that. In fact, this summer I've pulled back from a lot of um work, you know, my art business commitments and to take a break from that in order to engage with play with the kids this summer, but also to build in some more structure and habits, because I do have a couple of kids who just really do need more order. And, you know, I want to set them up <laughs> with good habits moving forward. And it's a crazy hard struggle for me to have those, but, um, but I have a friend who does, uh, some tutoring and I was like, can you just be a tutor for our whole family? So she has come alongside us. And that's what's so beautiful about the world is God has made people with a variety of gifts. Yes. And I really have come to embrace the fact that when I run into a place where I'm weak, that's God's invitation to me to come find somebody else to walk alongside mm -hmm. and to get closer knit community. Yes. That's where each of our places where we can't do it all it's an invitation to be in community because that's what we were made for. And so anyway, she's walked alongside us and helped, um, helped us break down some simple, uh, things, you know, the in and out of the house, where do we put our bags and books and, and then mealtimes, how do we run this in a way that's orderly and rotating and toward, you know, so she, she even made the, the um, Google doc with, you know, categories and check marks and how the rotation and talk to the kids about it. And I was so thankful for that help. And then I've started, um, utilizing timers for myself. 
I'll just run a 10 minute timer when I get distracted and it's hard to stay focused on a task or feel like there's things to do that I don't want to do. I'll set a 10 minute timer. And like, if I can just focus on it for 10 minutes. And one of the main things that I think has helped me with is helped me be more accurate in realizing what time, how much time things take. <laughs> I also, like, oh, when I focused, that actually didn't take all of the 10 minutes or, oh, that actually just takes a lot longer than I estimated. So yes. Yes, I love doing timers as well. And a lot of times I'll do like a timer reward system and it's not some big reward. It's like, you can make yourself that second cup of coffee when you have cleaned for 10 minutes or 15 yes. or whatever it is. And it, I generally can't have timers for longer than like 15 minutes. Cause after then I start checking the timer and I keep mm -hmm. checking I'm like, okay, well this is no, <laughs> so mm -hmm. really 15 minutes is my limit, but I always do a, a little reward whether it's a tiny piece of chocolate or something that I know I'm looking forward to. So I continue and complete that task. I love timers. Those are great. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And rewarding, you know, like noticing, because I think it's so easy to have this mountain in front of us and continuously look at how, especially when you're a dreamer idea person, like we are, mm -hmm. there's an endless amount of things we can envision doing. And it's so easy to feel like we're getting nowhere because we never turn around and take a moment to notice and acknowledge and celebrate what we've gotten done so far yes. and the things we have accomplished. And I think that's really important to do. Well, this may be only me that does this, but sometimes I make a list of things that I need to do. And then I add on a few of the things I've already done and cross <laughs> them. Get dressed, done, drink coffee, done. Okay, now <laughs> so I've already accomplished so much. <laughs> that's hilarious. I love that. I'm gonna um I'm going to hang on to that. <laughs> Something else that I was wanting to talk about with the artist's brain that we've touched on a little bit was the, um, the like so many ideas in your mind, mm -hmm. which I think is, you know, you think about the like stereotypes of the absent-minded professor or, you know, people like there's so many stories about Einstein, like basic stuff. He just didn't know how to do or keep up with at all, but he was having so many ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, I really loved taking the Clifton strengths test. Have you ever done that? I haven't done that. Mm -mm. Okay. I, I had a friend. Tests. Just yeah. You, well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't love taking tests. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a continuum. It's like a, this or this, like oh, are you this type of person or this type of person, do you I prefer like alone or with people? And you just have to answer a ton of them. And it feels like, how are they going to possibly get anything out of this? But they have um, studied talent and how there's like 34 different categories of things people can be talented and gifted in. Mm -hmm. And they, organize that list according it's like their imagery is dna strands like we all have a unique uh mix of how our strengths line up mm -hmm. and it was so helpful because um you see how to work from your strengths and what kinds of like how to come at something working from your top five strengths or something and they also give you suggestions of things ways to capitalize on the areas that are your strong suits. And so anyway, ideation, which is like coming up with ideas is one of my top five. And it talked about how, um, you know, capturing and making note of those ideas as they come, because so often it's easy to just, you know, have this flow of ideas and be caught up in the midst of carpool or 
this, that, or the other, and they come and they go. And sometimes if they're really important, they stay, but sometimes it's just this flow of ideas and feels kind of scatter thought. But what I've learned to do is to, um, to just be like an idea collector and make note of them. Even if I'm in a season where I can't make a lot, I can't be in the studio. I can't have my hands on my art as much. I can always be uh, idea collecting as it comes. And one of the neat things um, that I've realized is that as I'm driving carpools to and from places in those moments where I don't have kids making a lot of noise, if I turn music or audiobooks off, if it's just kind of, I've, I've read this, that you get in this almost like this hypnotic brain state where you're just dealing with spatial stuff and you're no longer like in the word part of your brain. Mm-hmm. And it's, I've really noticed it's kind of this magic sweet spot. Sometimes it'll be conversations with God. Sometimes it'll be uh, kind of those aha moments where I've been trying to puzzle out what comes next in a painting. And then it just, here it comes. And so anyway, if I'm driving along, I will pull out my phone and make a voice memo at a stoplight or whatever, just, um, you know, follow whatever the rules of your state are with phone use. (laughs) Yes. Uh, If you have a kid in the car who can jot down something, but um, the voice memo app when I don't have something, or I keep a sketchbook with me all the time. And sometimes it's drawings, but sometimes it's just scribbling out, you know, notes for an idea. And it's been really neat. I talk about sketchbooks like a garden because I feel like the more scrawled out, super messy, un, un, um, you know, they're not fully developed ideas. They're just these little, you know, blob, you know, and I just jot it down, but it's almost like looking back and seeing seeds, Mm -hmm. this like seed trail that two years later, here's this fully developed piece. And I see that moment that it started way back in the sketchbook and how it develops. So anyway, I think, especially for busy moms, realizing that those little moments of ideas can be collected on and grow into something later and you can make the most of your time when your hands can be on the work if you've been collecting the ideas along the way. I feel like that about my most recent collection that I haven't quite launched yet, but this big cloudscape collection. So beautiful. And I love the antique frames. The paintings jump out onto the frames. They're so beautiful, Taylor. Well, that idea, just how you were talking about, it was like a seed planted like over a year ago. And I had got, I had purchased these antique frames, several of them thinking, oh, wouldn't this be so lovely just to paint on frames? And that kind of, that was the original idea because this frame that I'd picked up was like, I don't know, like a chalky white paint on it. It just was like, this is doing nothing for this. This really needs to be painted beautifully. And so I picked up all these and this idea is like, oh, I need to get all these. And then I just kind of put them in my closet. And then I started painting this one piece and I thought, I think I have a frame for that. And I pulled it out and I had already started painting on it like previously. Oh, and I went, wow. oh my good. Oh, oh yeah. And it was just like, da-da, you know, light bulb. This was the perfect project for that, that idea from over a year ago. And now it's like this, this um, collection that's building. It's so fun. So awesome. Yeah. I think it's crazy how our uh, fast paced, saturated, um, media situation mm-hmm. online makes us feel this pressure to have a ton of content, a ton of creative work coming out all the time mm-hmm. and have, and then as an artist, I f- have always felt pressure to have a consistent style or concept that continues through lots and lots of work. And for me, I just, 
that's, I've had to accept that that's not, that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing that I do sometimes is I step back and I try to look at myself as well as others through the ultimate maker's eyes. Like, I feel like the, the way I look at my creative work gives me this insight into the, um, the create, the great creators, creative, you know, impulse and how he designs things, you know, like, I mean, I've designed things with a, you know, this particular thing is going to be for this. And it's got these aspects to it that really speak out what it's supposed to do. And then this is for a totally different purpose. And I'm going to use a whole different medium and it's going to be trying to communicate in a totally different way. And just seeing the, you know, and accepting the fact that, you know, maybe I wasn't made to do collection after collection of similar typed work that makes it easier for galleries to sell mm-hmm. because I wasn't, that's not who I'm designed to be. I'm not, that's not the path for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, our culture gives us these thoughts of like how it's supposed to be or what we're supposed to look like, how we're supposed to be producing. And then it's fun to think back to like, I think of Leonardo da Vinci and he if we looked at him today, we'd be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, he's a little scattered. Yes. Can't really get that one portrait of Mona Lisa finished already. <laughs> How many years has it been, dude? You keep scribbling away in that book of ideas and you're dreaming up wings and gliders and, you know, and then dissecting you know, bodies and fresco drawing. in the basement over here. Like you're really patching it together, aren't you, buddy? You know, but he had a brilliant mind and the things that he created have mattered to culture in a huge scale, but the looks of it in the midst, like it would have been really easy to think critically about him. And, um, yeah. So anyway, it's important to just accept how we've been made and the jobs that we've been made to do, even if it doesn't look like it makes a lot of sense in the moment. Yes, for sure. I also love, okay, so what you were talking about earlier, it keeps coming back to me. You were talking about how um, in our weakness, um, um, we're called to have community and they have strength. I think about, first of all, I think about my husband because he is definitely type A organized and he is he is my strength in that way. But I also think about just as a Christian um, that in our weakness, he is strong Mm -hmm. and leaning on him too. When we really do have those feelings of inadequacy or just like, I can't believe, you know, you made me this way, but it's like, I made you for a specific purpose with a specific plan in my mind. And you're created, um, for a, for a reason. Mm -hmm. We've been made by this creator who delights in his creation and made us uniquely to each, um, to each of us share a different part, reflect a different part of him. One way I think about it is how like the light of God is shining and we're each prisms and we shoot out. None of us can shine the full spectrum of who he is, but we're each designed to like shoot out different, um, color bursts, you know, to show different aspects of the ways he the ways he is, you know, um, by delight in the tiny textures and, or dance and movement, like that's, those are things he delights in. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking about that, but I feel like there's another element that really needs to be considered in order to be, um, to be fully 
alert to the reality we're living in. So we've got this creator, um, this being who is goodness and love and light and all the greatness of this reality we live in are his heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of reality that hurts and is heartbreaking and, um, tragic. And that's coming from this other element of evil at work actively in this world that we live in. And when I, um, I went to a story workshop put on by the Allender center, the Allender center is out based out in Seattle, Washington, and they teach psychology and theology together. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, uh, it's like having the curtain peeled back and see the teaching that they offered made me realize that, um, I could look at my story of the places where I had been hurt and the shame that I still carried for being made differently. Um, and, and I could see a very strategic hand at work because while evil is not this unlimited thing, like God is, it does have a lot of power and it's been around for a long time, long enough to get super strategic. You think of somebody who can profile, um, like Sherlock Holmes. I love Sherlock Holmes. And he can look at somebody and be like, Oh, they're doing, they're made for this. And they, they're good at this. And they live this kind of life. Well, evil is able to look at children when they're so young and see their special, unique gifting. Like they've really got a sense of humor dance just comes right naturally to them. And evil is not wasting its time. It's going to strategically go in to the areas of the most beauty, the most goodness, the way each of us most is created and designed to shine that particular light of God out into the world. And evil's waiting for moments of trauma because our brain's so susceptible at that time, our whole heart, our body, everything's so susceptible in those moments of trauma and evil's waiting to just whisper in lies that make us shut down and try to protect ourselves from ever feeling that kind of pain again. You know, I had an experience in third grade where I was um, made fun of. And I remember thinking it was based on, um, the comedy, I made people laugh and, um, and I remember thinking I'm never going to be funny again. Mm. And for years kind of stayed out of the limelight, tried to avoid it. And I had noticed that even in moments in social situations, when I would start telling, you know, I have people laughing from a story, there'd be this panic, like everybody's laughing. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get ridiculed. Like I've put myself out there. And so anyway, to look back and see, that's a gift that I was given the ability to make people laugh. What goodness is that? Laughter is healing. Yes, for And sure. so of course, evil is strategic. Like that's good. I was going to like, let's just destroy that. We don't want that to thrive and reflect God out in the world. Let's mm -hmm. find any place we can to whisper. And so it's when we agree with evil and say, yeah, I am not safe and I better keep my mouth quiet. I am not making people laugh anymore. Just as an example, um, realizing that there was that element at work, um, woke up this warrior heart in me, instead of just being this victim, I was in the midst of a battle of good and evil, mm -hmm. and I was not going to take it laying down. So that really just lit a fire under me to start looking into places 
of, um, where I get triggered or I feel shame or I feel hurt or fear to move forward in an area that I am excited, was excited about, or I feel drawn to, I feel called to, I can see that I do have some gifts in that area, but, oh, there's fear. I'm looking at that as a sign that that's a good thing. You know, there is something I need to look in there and I need to, but first I've got to be kind to myself to find some healing. And that's looking back and finding the roots of that, the wound and where, um, where it first started that evil was trying to scare me away from this particular area. And, um, anyway, it's just changed my life. I went on the story workshop and in my mind, it's like BC and AD, like it, my life was changed from then on. That is so awesome. And like, we know that from reading scripture that like, he's always here to destroy. He's always there to destroy. He'll but, steal and destroy. Yes. Yes, for sure. But then and I heard a quote that said, if you want to know what is the most sacred, look to what is the most profane. And that was in a book, um, really great book called treading boldly, uh, mm-hmm. how to walk your children through a pornographic world. Oh yeah. Very, uh, very off topic side note, but Anyway, it was like, you look for the most beautiful things. We'll look at what's most profane because right up alongside those places of beauty, you have the areas where that beauty has been, um, under siege and corrupted into places of evil and darkness. Yes. That same subject on that same note, a little bit as, as far as encouragement and hope, mm-hmm. um, what would you say to moms or listeners who are listening and saying, you know, I just. I don't know. I know I have that creative brain. I know I have that artist mind and I just am unable to step away from the shame or just I'm, I'm, I'm unable to feel like I'm made with a purpose. How would you encourage them today? Um, I, one thing that I do when I find myself uh, in whatever state of mind, that's not, not, a, not the healthiest is I get outside and get in touch with nature take my shoes off in the woods and feel the moss underneath me spend time. It's like a date with God, mm-hmm. the great creator, put my hands on the bark and notice those details and just really, um, really sit still enough until I can feel him with me. And I can sense that my father, the maker of the stars who, who just like, I feel about my children, but even more so he designed me particularly. He looks at me and there are crinkles on the side of his eyes because he, he loves me and he made me and he delights in how I'm made and what kind of ideas I have. He delights when I love to hang out with him and I get excited about playing with the tools he gave me playing with, um, my creativity, playing with color, playing with inspiration from his world. It's like, uh, nothing makes him happier than that. And I think that when we, um, can really deeply accept that we are beloved, Mm -hmm. we are able to then show more compassion to ourselves, wherever we are on the journey, we can, um, instead of criticizing ourselves, I had a really loud inner critic before I started this journey. And it's been, you know, really soaking up the reality that I am beloved by God and I'm going to trust my maker. I'm going to trust that if he loves me, I can be kind to myself and, um, and be curious and bring healing. And, um, anyway, and then one of the 
kind of practical things that I've done on this journey has been inspired by Julianne Cameron, Mm -hmm. Julia Cameron, who wrote the artist way. Oh yeah. And one of the practices she has you do is write something called morning pages every day. And I don't get to it every day. And I certainly don't get to three pages longhand every day that she encourages, but I keep picking up the habit and, um, and it's just brain flow. You don't analyze what you're writing. You just let your pen move. Even if you're writing, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write, but you wind up just spilling out all of the things that have kind of been bubbling underneath. And you've been either too afraid to put words to, um, and I think that what it really helps me do is I start seeing the voices in my head, the things that I've, sometimes it's ideas, sometimes it's good stuff, but sometimes it's fears and anxieties. And when it's in black and white, I can look at it clearly. And I can say to myself, whose voice is this? Mm-hmm. Cause the maker's voice does not sound critical. He might invite me towards change, but mm-hmm. it is not going to be in a shaming fear mongering critical way. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, what is that for, you know, you get a choice of what voices to listen to mm-hmm. and invite a new mind, create, you know, bring this, uh, the mind of Christ choosing what thoughts you're going to invite in and give power to. Um, so anyway, that's a practical practice. And I, um, I'll just mention if you want to hear more about some of those things on my podcast, the growing, growing creative, I think my first episode, I share a little more about my, um, journey with the inner critic and the story workshop things that I learned. And then if you are inspired to take a nature walk with your, um, your creator, there's an episode that I have a, um, like a poem prayer, um, about just feeling God's presence in nature. I hope that you'll enjoy that. So this morning during my um, Bible reading, I actually, uh, I was reading to the kids a little bit, and then I kept reading on in 1 Corinthians 13, and it's verse 12. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been known fully. And it's like he knows us fully, back to that, you know, that he loves us despite, mm-hmm. you know, we may think, oh, he loves me, you know, even though. But it's like he fully knows us mm-hmm. and he loves us anyway, artist mind and all. Yes. So, uh, I just that, my, hit, um... that hit me today this morning. I was like reading, of course, whenever I when I read something like that and it just hits me and I like my start to tear up and my kids are like, Why are you crying? <laughs> I'm just like, this is such truth for me right now. I just needed to know that I am fully known. So I yes. I just loved that this morning. I um one of my um, practices sometimes is to start off my studio time with a song and I just dance, like just get in my body, let it move and worship. Um, the song that I've been really loving lately is called I am your beloved by Jonathan and Melissa Hessler. Mm-hmm. I think they're from cageless birds. I think, um, mm-hmm. anyway, it's yeah. I am my beloved. The, the one who knows me best loves me best mm-hmm. and how, undoing of, uh, you know, the fall in Eden is that like, we had to like get leaves and gather like anything we could have to cover ourselves. Cause we couldn't trust that whoever saw us could love us. And yet, you know, he does, he knows us best and he loves us best. Mm, I love that. Oh my goodness. 
Jane, I have just so loved this conversation with you. It has been hopeful and fun and just you're so you're always so interesting to talk to and I just I don't know I love so many of the things that you said and how you brought hope and encouragement to to everyone who is listening and I just love this we need to do this again sometime I just yeah. I love you you are so fun oh, it's so you, great Taylor. and I Taylor. just well, you'll have to come um, hop on my podcast when I start recording some episodes again for sure yeah I just I don't know. I, I love this. I love this conversation. Yeah. Well, it has been a treat. Thank you for having me on. And if our audience wants to learn more, uh, tell us where they can find you, your website, all that good stuff. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. If people want to follow along, I'll post um, updates for my studio and invite you in on the behind the scenes on Instagram with, at Jane Boutwell Studio. And I also have my podcast I mentioned, Growing Creative with Jane Boutwell. You should find that wherever you listen. And then I would love to share um, a free gift with y'all. Either check out the show notes. I think there will be a link or you can go to my website, which is janeboutwellstudio.com. And it's a free sketchbooking uh, resource where I have a list of some of the supplies that I enjoy using some suggestions, some mindset stuff, and a couple of exercises that help me fight the inner critic when I show up to my sketchbook and a, a printable that you can tape on the inside of your sketchbook with 50 different prompts so that if you ever show up and you're kind of like, well, I could draw, but I can't think of what. It's mm -hmm. a lot of fun, different ways to make use of putting your hands to paper, because even if you don't have time to paint or you're not sure what next, the sketchbook is like a garden and you can start there and things will grow out of it. Awesome. That is so kind of you to give that fun gift. I'm going to go check it out. Actually, I think yeah. I'm going to go grab one. That's Let me know great. what you think. Yes, for sure. hope you loved today's discussion and that you gleaned something from the conversation between uh, Jane and me and that you just were encouraged and you feel hopeful after listening. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave me a five-star review, write a kind word letting me know what you think and what you thought of today's podcast. If you were encouraged, I'd love to know that. And as always, I can't wait to see what you create.